Welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 43. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. For this week, I've been playing a few games in early access, including Temtem and Scourgebringer. So Temtem is a new rival to Pokemon, and Scourgebringer is a nice new fast-paced action roguelite. Also, I've been playing a short hike, which is an awesome little game. And finally, I've been looking forward to a new looter slasher called Godfall. I also got to sit down with Thomas Altenberger from Flying Oak Games, and we talked about Scourgebringer. So it's a jam-packed show. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm pretty good this week, and I've been in London all week, which is nice because I do tend to travel around quite a lot. But it's been a good week of gaming, so I had been hoping to catch up on some backlog games, but new awesome games keep coming out and I keep being distracted by those. I've also been sorting out some interviews for the future, so keep an eye on Twitter where I'll be announcing those. If you want to get involved in the community, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, chat about games, movies, TV shows, podcasts, well come on over to Discord. It's going to be a link in the show notes. And uh, if you want to send in questions, get early access to the podcast and other exclusive goodies, then sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. So all that stuff would be good, although you listening is good enough for me. Right, let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this week I've been playing a few games, including Temtem, A Short Hike, and Scourgebringer. So Temtem is a creature collection game much like Pokemon, and this one goes above and beyond what Pokemon Sword and Shield has done. But more about that in my first impression of the early access release in a minute. I've also been playing a short hike, and this game I'd heard a lot about, and I've been sitting on for a while, and it kept coming up in Game of the Year list at the end of 2019. So I thought I'd give it a go, and I'm not sorry I did. It's really, really good fun. Finally, I've been playing Scourgebringer, and it's a new fast Metroidvania cross roguelike and uh, that is a whole lot of fun too and I was lucky enough to sit down with Thomas Altenberger and uh, we'll get to that interview later and talking about the early access release of the game and it's really really fantastic but first of all let's have a look at Temtem So the creature collection genre has got a new edition and it's out now in early access on PC Temtem takes inspiration from Pokemon for sure, however, in many ways it goes above and beyond. So you start out at the Airborne Archipelago along with your Temtem squad. So you've got to catch every Temtem, battle other trainers, customise your house, join a friend's adventure or explore the online living world. So the game, it looks and feels a lot like Pokemon. Uh, The studio, they're pretty clear about it. Even on their Steam page it says this is a homage to Pokemon. Although it's a Pokemon-inspired MMO, it does actually go above and beyond, and Game Freak are going to be looking over their shoulder. So Pokemon sold like gangbusters in 2019 with its first outing on Nintendo Switch. However, Pokemon's pretty much had a stranglehold on the creature collection genre over the past few years, although this could be about to change with the early access release of Temtem. Even though the game is in early access, it seems remarkably polished for an early release. When you start the game, you're faced with creating a character and the character creation tools are pretty in-depth, or at least on par with Pokemon. Once you create a character, the game follows a familiar opening. You meet the professor, pick a starter Temtem, and then make your way off the initial island after saying goodbye to the townsfolk. You've got a rival too, and yes, they're equally as annoying as Hop in Pokemon. So as the game is in early access, there's going to be a few bugs, and not the bug types that you're going to catch. 
So servers were under incredible load in the opening weeks, although the dev team did a great job of updating the community whilst under intense pressure and load, so kudos must go out to them. So Temtem does differentiate itself from its rival by adding 2v2 battles. Here you can fight two Temtem at the same time, and also Temtem abilities can influence one another. For example, if you've got a water Temtem and a poison Temtem, then the water attacks can have poisonous effects. So it's a nice little feature. Much like other MMOs, you can also see players in the world running about and you can emote and interact with them. Another improvement is the vast array of areas to explore. So there's six islands to explore in the world of Temtem and they're filled with up to 75 creatures uh, to collect and the world is also full of NPCs. There's little side quests as well as plenty of battles to get you and your squad ready for future battles and uh, people seem to know each other in the world too so as you meet townsfolk they'll ask you about your family, they'll ask after them and it all adds up to what feels like an in-depth world building experience. It's really really good. So there are vast similarities between this and Pokemon, of course. So instead of Pokeballs, you've got Temtem cards, which trap the Temtem in a stasis-like state. It's hard to imagine the Temtem enjoying their lives inside these Temtem cards, whereas Pokeballs somehow kind of seem a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> One thing that will hit you immediately is the difficulty level, and I made my way through Pokemon Sword and Shield without really ever breaking sweat. So Temtem, on the other hand, is hard and the battle system is in-depth. The smack is laid down in the first battle of the game, where your rival gives you a one-hit kill treatment, and that is a sign of things to come. So battling in Temtem is all about synergies and to finding out what works with what and which abilities complement one another. So you'll come up against dojo leaders that will have powerful squads of Temtem and others that will have complementary combinations, teaching you to learn what goes well with what. So it's not just a matter of button mashing either and using your most powerful attack each time. So keep using the most obvious attack and you'll get exhausted and be unable to move and this forces you to switch things up and uh, be it through rotating through Temtem in your party or resting a little bit. And it forces more variety and teaches you to plan your attacks more carefully. So Temtem has had a great start. So far I'm really enjoying my time with it and it's got the potential to provide a rival to the Pokemon franchise. So if you like Pokemon and you're into the creature collection genre, Temtem provides a viable alternative which is fun, engaging and improves on a lot of the elements that Pokemon has done for years. It might be time for Game Freak to up their game. As Temtem is approaching in their rearview mirror, there's a chance a decent battle might break out. So Temtem is available right now on PC via Steam in early access. But what do you think? Let me know by signing up to Patreon on patreon.com forward slash this week in video games. It would be great to hear what you thought of Temtem. Well, that's it for my first impressions of Temtem. Next up, it's a review of a short hike. There's something comforting about a short hike. It's very chill, the music is relaxing, and it's a happy world. It's the video game equivalent of going camping or having a few days out in nature, and you'll more than likely come away from this game with a smile on your face. In a short hike, you play as Claire, a bird-like person who's on holiday with her family on an idyllic little island. So it's got beaches and forests and snowy peaks, we start out in the car, as you do with most family holidays, and you're on your way to the holiday destination. So Claire wakes up and doesn't have phone reception, and she heads up to Hawk Peak to try and get some reception. Along the way, you'll meet a bunch of people who will either give you little quests or power-ups, like finding a runner's red headband in exchange for some running shoes. 
There's plenty of items to collect, like a shovel to dig around in the sand, chests with coins, or you can hunt seashells. It's all really pleasant, and it's accompanied by some really nice music. The dialogue between the characters is also really nice, and there's a faint murmur of voices rather than voice acting, and it all adds up to a really wholesome experience. You can hike, climb, and soar through the peaceful mountainside landscapes of Hawk Peak Provincial Park. Follow the mark trails or explore the back country as you make your way to the summit, and along the way, like I said, you can meet other hikers, discover hidden treasures, and take in the world around you. So it's a kind of mini open world where you can explore the island any way you want. You're not rushed, so you can meander around and see what you can find. There's also some nice little mini games that include fishing, so if you just want to hang out by the riverbanks and chill with the other fishermen, then that's totally fine. Enjoy yourself out in the country and relax. Central to the hike in your preparation are golden feathers, so you learn that early on in the game that you're going to need golden feathers to climb, as you come across a climbing club on the beach. However, to join up you're going to need a golden feather, which you can find at the visitor centre. The golden feathers act like a stamina meter, allowing you to climb and flap your wings. So when you start out, Claire can glide, but to progress, you're going to need golden feathers. Collecting these either gives you a few more seconds of climbing, or another flap of the wings. The more golden feathers you have, the easier it's going to be to hike to the top of the peak. There's plenty to be found around the island and money is going to come in really handy. So you can find chests and coins dotted around the area and you want to pocket these in exchange for items like more golden feathers and other useful items. There was one story that really caught my attention where someone had lost their watch and he was really worried that someone would find it and sell it on the internet. He seemed really sceptical about the internet. <laughs> the game looks down from an isometric kind of angle and the camera rotates following you, sometimes zooming out to allow you to breathe in the impressive scenery. So there's a pixel art feel in a 3D world which is really nice. The colours, they're bright and vibrant. The music also is really soothing and uplifting and the whole package is really, really nice. So a short hike began as a personal art project in December 2018. Game developer Adam Robinson Yu was feeling worn out from working on his RPG project and took a break to design some natural landscapes. So inspired by summer hiking trips and exploring forests in his youth, he wanted to create something that could evoke those same feelings of peace and discovery. And I have to say, he's really, really succeeded. So the project it soon blossomed into a full-fledged title and then Mark Sparling joined the project to compose the music for the game and the music is really, really wonderful. A short hike hopes to provide players with a peaceful escape from the hustle and bustle of life in its scenic mountainsides. The overarching feeling of a short hike is a great one. It's like a warm blanket and a cup of hot chocolate on a winter's evening that gives you a hug of positivity and an upbeat feeling. I'd heard this game was good, but I was really impressed when I got round to playing it. I'd sat on it for too long, and I recommend that you check it out right now, and you won't be sorry if you did. So the game is by Adam Robinson Yu. It's out for PC. It was originally released on April the 5th, 2019 on the Humble Bundle, and then it came out on July the 30th, 2019 on Steam and Itch. And I gave the game a final score of 81 out of 100. But what did you think of a short hike? Let me know. I would really love to hear what you thought of the game. Well that was my review of A Short Hike and uh, let me know what you thought by signing up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames. 
And if you're enjoying this week in video games podcast, then head over to iTunes and leave us a nice review. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. So if you've got access to iTunes, then I'd love it if you would leave us a good review. And don't forget that this week in video games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast. The YouTube channel's got the entire archive of the podcast as well as dedicated reviews, interviews, and features. So search this week in video games on YouTube and subscribe today for all that latest content. And if you want to see anything specific on YouTube, send me an email to podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. It would be great to hear from you. Next up, I sat down with Thomas Altenberger from Flying Out Games to talk about the early access release of Scourgebringer. So let's go over to that interview now. Well, welcome back to This Week in Video Games, and I'm here with Thomas Allenberger from Flying Out Games. And how are you doing, Thomas? Hey, Tom. I'm fine. And you? Really good, thanks. Really good. And I bet it must be it must have been a busy few days with uh, Scourgebringer coming out. Was it last Thursday? Yes, it was last Thursday, yeah. And it was, yeah, very, very busy, hectic, and, uh, yeah, super interesting. So, yeah, how are you feeling after the launch? How, could you tell us a bit about the launch and, um, and the build-up and how it went? Uh, it went uh, very well, very well. It was very, very stressful because every launch of a game is stressful. And uh, in the industry, we like to say that every launch is a miracle. Um, and it kind of is because it's very, very complicated to, uh, to, make, to release a game. And uh, so there is always all the stress about uh, is there anything broken, is there any bugs, uh, is everything fine in terms of uh, uh, communication, how are all the players doing, and also all the rush of player uh, landings on the forums, Discord, and so on. So it's a moment uh, when you are very, very, very focused. And, and we were super focused until now. Uh, we are Monday, four days after the release. And it's only since uh, today that things are starting to uh, cool off and that we are able to see that everything is going well. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a wide, uh, wide range of different kind of emotions that going that we go through when we release a game but now it now it's good well congratulations on, on the launch and for for those who don't know could you tell us a bit about Scourgebringer? oh yes sure uh Scourgebringer is a fast-paced uh roguelike platformer action platformer um you control a character which is called kira and she is she is stuck in a strange monolith that is called the Scourgebringer. And uh, and it's a very, very action-packed and fast game with a lot of challenge. And it's a game that we want to, to I mean, uh, to have a control scheme very, very smooth and to give you the control of a character in absolutely all circumstances. And... And we really want you to be free of every movement, every action, every slashes of sword and so on. So we built the game around a very smooth control. And we almost worked something like a year on it to uh, feel as good as we can. Um, and yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a roguelite. So uh, 
Yeah. It's and, and that that's the thing that I came away with that the the feeling like how good it feels to play the game. Um, it's really fast. It's really frenetic. Um, so how, how do you go about crafting an experience like that? How do you how do you kind of build in that amazing feeling? So it doesn't quite come with. I mean, when when you start such a project, um, I mean, in, in the way that we work and how we design game. Uh, we don't really start a project with an idea and with something uh, telling ourselves that, okay, in one year it's going to be this. Uh, it's more like we start with a very, very small idea and uh, a very small concept, like maybe it's going to be a platformer and it's, we don't still have, we don't have yet any ideas about if it's going to be an action game, is it going to be a roguelike, is it going to be this and this. And, and we start with small bits, like platforming, jumping around, and uh, double jumping around, and then we start maybe to try what, what happens if we start to uh, work on walls, jump, wall jumps, double jump, and so on. And, and once what we are trying to do is feels uh, satisfying to us, we start to build uh, other kind of stuff on top of it until it kind of resemble to a game. And if every bit together feels satisfying, and if when putting everything together feels good, uh, we move forward and try to build the game upon this. And uh, so it's a very very gameplay centric approach of game designing a game, and. And when we start making game, we don't even think about everything that is uh, the story or the universe is going to be set in. And, and we really focus on the raw gameplay. And once we have a game prototype uh, that feels like it can be turned into a full game, we start expanding it, like adding a universe to it, adding a backstory. And then we fine-tune everything uh, for a very, very long time until it feels really, really good. And for Skullbringer, it took yeah maybe something up to a year to fine-tune things uh, when we started to have something like a game. I mean, it took something like maybe a month to have the core, core idea of what we were willing to do. But it took something like a year to uh, have the control rights um, and uh, and everything like clicking together. Yeah. Well, it feels it feels really good, and you can really tell the the care and attention that you've kind of put in put into the game. But I wanted to ask, what's your kind of inspiration for Scourgebringer? Oh, there are a lot of them. There is, of course, two games that uh, define quite a lot the experience of Scourgebanger, which are Celeste and Dead Cells. Uh, we love Celeste for the, its design, the free movement and so on, it's really fluid. And we absolutely love Dead Cells and we admire the, their creators, Motion Twin, and now also Evil Empire, uh, for all the cool work they are doing on polishing things. And uh, when we started to work on Skullringers, we had only one thing in mind was to match the level of polish that those people were doing into the, into the game. 
Um, and there is also a third great inspiration, which is Monolith. And Monolith is a is a it's a roguelike game, a shoot them up roguelike game, which is very great because it has a core design that is very simple and very well made. And it's not a complicated game, but it, what it does, it does it just right. And this is what we wanted to do. We wanted to not go crazy with tons of features and tons of contents. We just wanted to craft something very focused on what it's trying to do and as much polished as possible. Oh, it's yeah. I, I, like I say, I came away from the game, and uh, it feels absolutely uh, fantastic to play. So I think you've, I think you've been really successful there. Um, I so I know you went through the uh, kind of alpha process. So it was released in early access last Thursday, and uh, how was that kind of process of going through the alpha and getting feedback from from the audience for you? Oh yeah, um, this comes from our previous game. Uh, New Reuter, which released now four years ago in early access to. And uh, when we started to work on New Reuter, uh, we were kind of starting to make game, or at least making game as our current company, which is Flying Up Games. And we were basically nobodies. And and, and we, needed, we needed to have some way to... Uh, for people to know about our games and getting people involved. So we started to do an open development, uh, and which means that we talk about everything that is happening within our office, uh, how is our daily life as developers, how we put together a game, how we also try to uh, found what we are doing, uh, what we are doing when we are not founded, because this kind of thing happened. So uh, we talk also uh, with, um, we talk about everything that is contract work and other kind of work that we may be doing outside of our main game project to, uh, yes, to, to, to stay afloat. Um, and of course, uh, when we started to making Neuroider, which was also a roguelike, it was our first roguelike game. And we know that uh, roguelike players are very uh, experts, very good. And the, it's, it's very important that when you craft a roguelike, that you craft it for the good person, for the good players, for the right players. And so we wanted to uh, invite them into accessing the game earlier and to get their feedback. And so we put into the game a feedback system where people are able to uh, send us feedback without exiting the game, without pausing their game and so on. Because we wanted to, uh, to break any walls that may exist uh, between us and the players. And, and we really like it to work this way. And we worked through all the development of Neuroboider like this. And, and it was really cool. It was something we really liked. And, uh, and when we started to work on Scourgebringer, we thought about redoing, redoing the same thing and on the next level, which means that we started to talk 
more closely with the players and we started to talk about subjects more uh, related to our daily life, uh, like the budget that we had on the game and how is this budget uh, consumed, used, and how does all of this affect us. And, and we also now have a Discord server, which didn't exist back when we were working on New Avoider. And so we put together also a special bot on Discord to gather feedback to down upvote them, uh, pretty much like other games like Risk of Rain 2 or Hades are also doing that in a very great way. And, and it's super useful. It's really very, very useful. So we had tons of players joining uh, on the alpha of the game. And yeah, we built the game like this and we are dedicated to keep going like this because it's just now part of the DNA of our studio to just work with player and it's really, really cool. The open development process, um, where did that come from? Oh, it, it, it came pretty naturally because it's, we really like to work uh, on, in an open way on Neurovoider and uh, when we started to work on Skullbringer, it was what can we do more because we liked to work this way and people seem to like uh, to have this relationship with us. And so we wanted to offer more to people, like what would you like to know more about the making of a game? And, and people were very curious about uh, how do you start a game? How do you start making a game uh, from when it is an ID or when starting from when it, it isn't even an ID. And, and I, how goes the process? Like people are very, very curious about how do you get a game founded and how do you get a game eventually published through a publisher. Uh, and, uh, and so it's a process that was very cool to document and uh, people seems to like it a lot. And, and also the kind of peculiar thing about this newsletter and open development is that we have a majority of people who are subscribed who are actually in the video game industry or people willing to launch as game developers. And it's really interesting because it's the kind of content that in fact interests like everybody involved. Well, um, I, I, you know, I've, I, I, I was playing the game in alpha. Um, I've, I've now um, upgraded to early access, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. But um, so, if, cool. if players are interested in Scourgebringer, how can they um, find out more about the game? Oh, uh, they can find out more, of course, on the Steam page of the game and on the Steam forums. There is a roadmap. We are also going to post a way bigger roadmap with estimated. Uh, schedules and so on for the next updates that are going to come and of course there is our discord server which is very lively and lots of people just are there to interact and uh, and to help people know about the game which is very very cool that's awesome i'll um i'll stick the link to um the steam uh steam page in the show notes for the podcast um but if if people want to get in touch with you on social media how would they go about doing that 
Oh, there, as if it's a way, there is uh, the Twitter handle of our uh, studio, Flying Oak Games, so at Flying Oak Games. Uh, there is also my personal account, which is MR Helmut, Mr. Helmut. And it's my personal account, but I mostly speak about game dev and pizza. And um, so the game, it's available on PC. Is it available on uh, any other platforms? So it's for now, it's only available on PC, uh, both on Steam and on the Xbox Game Pass, the PC version. Uh, the game is going to come later this year on console. At least uh, we can confirm the Xbox consoles. But uh, there are more likely other platforms that are going to be announced in the way. Awesome. So we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on social media for that. Um, well, um, Thomas, once again, thank um, or congratulations for um, a successful launch in early thank access last week. And thank uh, you. I wanted to move slightly away from the game and talk about um, your studio, Flying Oak uh, Games. Oh, and sure. um, you mentioned before um, you, you focus very much on kind of a gameplay aspect and like, the core gameplay loop. Um, and uh, so could you tell us a bit more about your, about your kind of process with coming up with ideas for games? So... When we start to try to get ideas, we kind of make two lists. Uh, one list of things we'd like to try or see in a game or maybe want to do. Uh, and another list of things we don't want to do or don't want to try because it's things that we don't like or don't feel like we are capable of doing. And for instance, uh, on things we like, we are going for Scott Ringer, for instance, we listed stuff like uh, we like we like games, we like action games, we like games with lots of choice, we like games that are instantly fun, we like arcade games. And on the list that um, things that we don't like or don't feel like being capable to, uh, there was fighting games because fighting games are something that are very, very sophisticated. And I mean, you have to get it very, very right for like for things to click for your players. It's very complicated. And another thing was making a platformer game because it was kind of the same deal because making a platformer is complicated. Uh, I mean, Making a platformer is very straightforward, but making a good platformer is very, very complicated because it's full of tricks. I mean, the duration of a jump, the good gravity, the tricks that are involved. For instance, uh, there is a lot of games that have this trick of if you fall down from a platform, you still have something like one of two frames to still jump to account for anything that is maybe input lags or maybe your own reaction time. And all these little tricks, all these little frames that you use to hide tricks and to get things right are very complex to put together and to, to tune correctly. And, and that is why games like Dead Cells feel so great because 
they, it's full of tricks. It's full of hidden things that you don't even know about, but they make all the inputs and the controls feel super great. And so it was, it, it felt to us quite, quite daunting to imagine us making a platformer. So we didn't even try. And um, so we were starting to prototype action game and so on. And the reason why we have a list of things we like and a list of things we don't like is that we have this principle of when we are stuck, we introduce an element to disrupt our way of thinking in order to create ideas. And uh, because when you are in your daily life doing every time the same thing, like you, you get up, you get your coffee, you go to the bus and you commute to your work and you do exactly the same thing every day. And doing exactly the same thing every day doesn't put your brain in a state that makes it sink to anything out of your habit. So it's complicated to have ideas in, the, in this way. So what we do to have ideas is that we introduce things to, uh, to break this way of thinking and to put our brains into a state that are, is more uh, favorable to things like serendipity and uh, having new ideas. And so we were stuck on making a new game. It was an action game and we were not quite pleased about it because it kind of resembled to our previous game. And so we looked at the list and we picked platformer game and we started making a platformer game. And after a few days of prototyping, we thought that, yeah, maybe it's not that daunting and maybe we can work something with this. And we kept going, we kept refining things, and it became Scottfinger. That's really, really cool. And uh, you mentioned the um, prototyping. Is that a big part of your kind of um, process? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, absolutely every single ID that we have starts first on a prototype. And, and once the prototype feels good, we promote it to the bigger picture and try to see how the puzzle fit together. And if it doesn't, we scrap things. And if it does, we let it be. The way that you were describing there about um, think, you know, trying to think um, with serendipity and, and combining that with your kind of open development process, it sounds like, um, it, well, it sounds like your studio's a fantastic place to work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so how, how big's the team at Flying Out Games? So we are basically here at the office that we have in France. We are two people. So it's kind of the core team, or at least the two people that are that, that I who started. So there is my teammate, Froyan, who's making all the graphics, and me, who's making all everything that is code. Uh, Everything that is game design are made by everyone on the team. And then we work also with external people, which are integrated into the team in a, in a really, really deep way. I mean, uh, for, for instance, we work with Judas Turner on the sound design and the composition of the music. And 
he is technically a freelancer on the project, but what we like when people work on the project is to give them a free hand on what they are doing because what we want when we work with people is that they bring their own uh, universe and also their own ideas and just express themselves. Um, and we feel like that there shouldn't quite be like one people directing all and uh, and imposing ideas or or maybe art styles or art direction and so on. So it's it's more like we are a small team, so we can we can be like everyone is our art director and uh, and build something together. So it's it's more like bring your own art and let's see what it what what happens. Oh, that's that's awesome. And uh, so, what what's next for Flying Out Games? Uh, the long road through the early access of Scourgebringer. So the game just launched in early access, and it's likely going to be in early access for the remaining of the year. And so we are going to add lots of content, lots of big updates, make it grow, and uh, we have. Lots and lots of ideas, so pretty exciting and looking forward to if player is going to like the direction of what we have in mind for the game. Well, Thomas, I've, I've taken up plenty of your time today and thank you so much for talking to me. Uh, congratulations once again on the release of Scourgebringer. And just finally, if you want to shout out to people um, how they can find out about the game and uh, get in touch with you if they want to. Oh yeah. So yeah. Thank you very much, and thank thank you for having me on your podcast, most obviously. And um, yeah, so you can find the game most obviously on Steam, Scourgebringer. It's probably the best place to uh, learn about it. And of course, it's available also on the Xbox Game Pass if you're a subscriber there. And and our Discord is pretty open, and we're also very reachable on on uh, Twitter. And I, I definitely recommend to everyone out there who's interested in the open development process, like um, Thomas, you were mentioning before, um, sign up to your newsletter because you get some really, really cool insights uh, about game development and uh, that whole open development process. I was, I was really impressed. And uh, yeah, I think everyone out there should uh, should check it out. But I'm going to link the uh, Steam page to the game down in the show notes, um, so do check that out. But um, Thomas, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And, thank you. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Well, that was me there talking to Thomas, and thank you for sitting down with me and taking the time to talk to us about Scourgebringer. Good luck with the launch. But next up is my first impressions of Scourgebringer. Scourgebringer is a roguelite, it's fast paced, it's full of action and it's a real challenge so it's tough, quick and it grabbed my attention immediately. So set in a post-apocalyptic world, some kind of mysterious entity has wreaked havoc on humanity. It's your job as Kyra, the deadliest warrior in a clan to explore and hack and slash her way through the ancient machines guarding the seal of her past and perhaps, perhaps saving humanity. So. 
This has been an alpha up until the 6th of February uh, 2020 where that goes into early access on Steam. And it's got some real nice features, including Metroidvania elements where you can get power-ups and explore. It's got a lightning feel to it, and you can pull off combo attacks as well as jump around. It's part platformer, part roguelite, and a shooter all in one. So I think the tagline for it is Celeste meets Dead Cells, and it's frantic, and it's definitely immediate fun. So it's also pretty hard. Uh, you only get a few hits before you're dead. I think it's seven. So try not to get hit in the early parts of your run. Otherwise, you're going to be at a disadvantage going into the boss fights. So there's a variety of enemies, from small slugs to other dynamic enemies who either rush you or shoot projectiles. And they don't really take any prisoners. So you've got your tanks as well, and they can take a bit of a beating. And uh, you've got your mini-bosses too. So the roguelite elements come into play with the ever-changing dungeon. So when you die, you're taken to the hub world, and that's kind of similar to Dead Cells. We can check your skill tree, and there's a mysterious old man who mumbles pizza at you. Uh, pizza and cucumber, actually, so I don't know what he's going on about there. Power-ups in the skill tree, they're pretty in-depth, and it's going to take you some time to unlock. And there's plenty of secrets in the game to discover. So Scourgebringer, it feels instantly fun, but... If you're anything like me, then you're going to die a lot. But as with many games before this, treat this as a learning experience. Uh, it's much more stick than carrot. So it's going to take you some time to learn the attack patterns of enemies and how your skills can fend off the beasts trying to kill you. So you've got plenty of attacks from a simple sword swipe. You've got a heavy attack as well, which can repel or stun enemies. You've got a ranged projectile attack as well, and a special attack which kills everyone on screen. Although that has to be unlocked through the skill tree. You can fly through the air and combo moves together so you end up juggling a few enemies flying this way and that from one attack to another. It feels really fluid and responsive. There's various combos like stun locking enemies that can be discovered and no doubt specialised skills through the skill tree await me a bit later on. But for now I'm content flying around the screen using attacks I have and I really really want to get better. As you explore the area, you come across a shopkeeper called Greed. So he's got some power-ups for you that will no doubt come in handy on your journey to save humanity. However, their objectives aren't really explained. So items also drop from some bosses. For example, I picked up a random eye from an enemy. It would just float around Kyra. Um, not really explained, uh, but I'm sure in the full game this will become clear. But for now, it's bizarre, and I don't really mind a bit. Scourgebringer, as I said before, it's been described as Celeste mashed together with Dead Cells, and that's some that's some lofty expectations to live up to. So uh, I'd throw in there a sprinkling of Katana Zero. Uh, whatever the ingredients, this game feels really good, and the development team are really open and actively looking for feedback and working with their community. So as the game goes into early access proper, that means they're going to get more eyes on it and even more feedback. The art style is pixel art, which instantly makes me like it about 10% more without having to do anything. The environments are fairly simple but effective. It reminded me of Super Metroid with the sliding metal doors and terrain. Uh, the only thing that I wasn't too keen on probably was the heavy metal music each time I started fighting. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I really like metal, but um, this felt repetitive and would be my only really negative feedback on the alpha. Currently, the game feels really, really good. The fluid and the fast movement combined with the visual and auditory feedback from the slashes and the smacks all add up to an instant fun experience. That combined with the rhythm of the game of rushing in, smashing up the enemies, hopefully without getting hit, it's a really, really well put together package. 
As early impressions go, I'm really impressed. So I definitely check it out if you like action roguelites. Uh, it's a whole lot of fun. So this is being developed by Flying Oak Games. Uh, it's available on PC. It's available on February the 6th, 2020 in early access. So if you like any of this stuff, go and check it out on Steam. Well, that was my first impressions of Scourgebringer there, but what did you think? Let me know by signing up to Patreon on patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. Next up, it's looking forward to Godfall. So Godfall was announced at the Game Awards 2019 as a launch title for PS5, and since then the hype has been building for this game. So it's been described as a looter slasher, similar to live service games like Destiny, The Division, but with one key difference. So instead of shooting guns, we're going to be battling with and chasing swords. So the original reveal trailer came out of the Game Awards 2019 and showed a character in elaborate armour running through a temple of some kind while it was crumbling around him. He was knocked back by an explosion onto the ground. And then the character was followed by two more characters holding big and elaborate swords. So all characters, they're covered in very cool looking armour, some with flames burning from the headgear. The camera pans back to reveal another character wielding a heavy sword inscribed with symbols. Wow. That was pretty cool. So that initial reveal trailer really got my attention. So there's a few things going on here. We've got a party of three characters and they've since come out to say it is indeed three player co-op. We've got elaborate armour, we've got weapons. So one character is holding a huge flaming sword and you can imagine chasing in either strikes or missions or something like that and getting these armour and this loot as rewards. So the headgear and shoulder pieces look like the heads of huge cats. Perhaps there's lions or tigers or panthers. And then each of the three characters have got different styles covered in head to toe in metal armour. So no actual gameplay was shown in the initial reveal trailer, although a gif of gameplay was shown on the Godfall Twitter account afterwards. So at the start of January, there was a leaked trailer which showed much more in-depth gameplay. So it opens up showing a single character looking over a snowy vista, cutting to another looking up at what looks to be a castle. So then we get the gameplay we've been waiting for, with a character thrusting a huge sword into a bunch of enemies, battling enemies with what looks to be a staff of some kind, fighting against a huge beast that's tied up against a wall, and with other enemies swirling and swinging their swords in what looks to be intense melee combat. So enemies appear to have a variety of weapons like axes, staffs, light swords and heavy swords. There seems to be a range of enemies too here from trash mobs to mini bosses. We also get a little glimpse of what looks to be co-op play with two players taking on a huge knight in heavy armour covered in flames as they drop to one knee after being attacked. So the devs did come out and say that this footage was a year old so you can only imagine what the footage looks like now after a year's worth of development. So perhaps we're gearing up to some sort of reveal soon as there's a rumoured February 2020 event to showcase PlayStation 5 and Sony, they're going to want to show some of their launch titles in a lot more detail. From what we've seen so far, I'm really, really excited about this one. So over the past few years, we've had Sekiro and then elements of FromSoft's game Combat System has appeared in other games like Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order and uh, we've got a lot of Souls-like games having come out and uh, that combat style is uh, made it into their game. So, so combining the combat systems from something like Sekiro into a looter slasher genre sounds really, really exciting. We don't know in too much detail at the moment about the weapons, the armor, or the classes. Uh, so it's a lot of guesswork for now, but we do know how hard it is to build, launch, and then develop a live service game. So it's one to keep an eye on. 
Sony did release details on its website, which reads as follows. So, Godfall is a brand new next-gen looter slasher set in a bright fantasy universe filled with heroic knights and arcane magic. So you can definitely see the fantasy elements coming through in the armour and the weapons. So magic is mentioned here too, so perhaps the magic is going to be weaved into our armour or weapons, or maybe we'll even have a specific subclass focus on magic. They go on to say, Embark on an adventure on a fantasy action RPG that, that utilises high-impact third-person melee combat to engage players as they hunt for loot, don legendary armour sets and defeat vicious enemies. Face challenging missions that reward you with head-turning loot. I really like that bit. As you vanquish the armies that stand against you. Wow. So that paragraph is all kinds of exciting. So action-adventure RPGs are definitely my jam. So with The Legend of Zelda being up there as one of my favourite franchises of all time and combining the action-adventure RPG style with loot-gathering games of like Destiny, well, I mean, this one has all the ingredients to be a fantastic game. Sony go on to say, Counterplay Games is innovating with Godfall to provide a fresh take on third-person action combat, rewarding skill-based offensive gameplay, making every hit matter. So here, it definitely sounds like they're going to be leaning into the more challenging aspect of melee combat. So from the clips we've seen so far, you can see slashing, parrying, rolling, and it all looks quite Souls-like. So in a game like Destiny in The Division, you've got a range of enemies from smaller, weaker ones that you can dispose of fairly easily, to strike bosses that take a fair amount of time to take out. So it will be interesting if they're going to combine the kind of Souls-like melee combat action with something like a looter shooter like Destiny, then balancing the range of enemies is going to be really interesting because you probably don't want to be fighting a huge enemy for 10 minutes each enemy that you fight. So they go on to say, face challenging missions that feed your yearning for the next best piece in your character. Build and amass loot that has meaningful impact on gameplay. So this sounds like fairly standard live service looter talk and uh, it's a system we've become used to over the last few years. And they finish up by saying, go it alone or play with anyone at any time. Bosses and enemies have been designed with co-op in mind, boasting special abilities that counter multiple combatants attacking from different angles. Wow, this sounds really, really cool. So bosses and enemies, they're gonna scale up the bigger that your party is. And it sounds like you can play solo or up to three players. So there's no mention of something like raids at the moment, but first, I guess we should see how three player melee fights pan out before we ask for more. <laughs> so this is being made by Counterplay Games based in California, and they say on their website that we're a tight-knit 75-person team with a vision to craft games focused on high levels of personal mastery. Drawing from our past experiences working on Ratchet & Clank, God of War, Destiny 2, Horizon Zero Dawn, Diablo 3, Gears 5, Star Wars Battlefront, Titanfall 2, Left 4 Dead 2, Evolve, Halo 5, Battlefield 3, Bioshock Infinite, Call of Duty, Injustice 2 and Overwatch. Wow, so some interesting stuff in there. There's definitely some great experience in there from looter shooters as well as online multiplayer games. And that specific line where they said they want to craft games focused on high levels of personal mastery. So that's really, really interesting to me. So I think if you can marry that mastery of a melee combat game where you know it takes you a few goes to get past an enemy and you really have to kind of level up your skill as well as level up your loot. And so you combine that mastery with the loot rewards from like a traditional looter shooter, then I think that's going to be super, super satisfying. So 
I think there's a lot to be excited about here and we've only had a brief glimpse of this so far and we're yet to get the official gameplay reveal. This one certainly has grabbed my attention and what we've seen so far looks really, really good. So we're more than likely to get more details really soon as the PS5 hype machine is about to get turned on. So what do you want to see from Godfall and what classes and weapons would you like? What other features from existing Lewis Studio games do you want to see in Godfall? For example, do you want raids? Do you want strikes? Let me know if you're looking forward to Godfall and what you'd like to see down in the comments. So we only have a little bit of footage on Godfall at the moment, but I'm really, really excited about this one. And I'll be looking to cover more on Godfall as we get news and more details of the game. Well, that was me there looking forward to Godfall. Uh, but what do you think of Godfall? Let me know by signing up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash this week in video games. Next up, let's have a look at the charts. For number 10 this week, it's The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number 9 this week, it's Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Number 8 this week, it's Luigi's Mansion 3. Number 7 this week, it's Ring Fit Adventure, no doubt boosted by the uh, New Year's Jim Habits. Number 6 this week, it's Minecraft. Number five this week, up one place from last week's number six, it's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Number four this week, down one place from last week's number three, it's Grand Theft Auto V. At three this week, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, up one place from last week's number four. Number two this week, it's FIFA 20, up three places from last week's number five. And number one this week, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and that's been at number one for quite a while now. So congrats to the Call of Duty team. Next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming up in the next week. So coming up next week, on the 11th, we've got AO Tennis 2, that's on PS4, Xbox One and Switch. And we've got Yakuza 5 as well, coming out on PS4, that's on February the 11th too. On the 13th, we've got a few games, we've got Florence, that's coming out for Switch, PC and Mac. And we've got Luna the Shadow Dust, that's coming out on the 13th as well. And I'll have Beatty from the team behind Luna at the Shadow Dust in an interview on next week's show. So on the 14th, on Valentine's Day, we've got Street Fighter V, and there's nothing more romantic than Street Fighter V, so make sure you check that one out. <laughs> we got Darksiders Genesis as well, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. And we've got Dreams, that's coming out on PS4, that's the full release after being in early access for a while. That's on uh, Valentine's Day. And finally, on Valentine's Day, February the 14th, we've got Table Manners coming out on PC, which could be very apt for Valentine's Day. Well, that's it for this week's episode. If you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. So search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in the conversation. Thanks once again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you have a good week. I'll talk to you next weekend, but for now, I'll see you soon.